Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash greatdetectives. Our listener support campaign continues. And you can become one of our Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month just by going to patreon.greatdetectives.net. Also, I do encourage you to listen to Friday's episode as I'll have a very special announcement. Now, let's get into this week's episode of Sam Spade. The original air date, June 19th, 1949, and this is the Apple of Eve Caper. Don't give it another thought, Ep. This one's going to be a short report. Short and sweet, Sam? Hardly, Angel. In fact, barely. Well, Sam, if you had asked me, I could have told you. That girl was merely trying to stir up a tempest in her boyfriend's teapot. Again? It was perfectly observant to me, Sam, that, that she had sour grapes written all over her. Sour apples, Effie, but you're warm, and that's why I'm so fond of you. Oh, thank you, Sam. I'm glad I could be of help, though I must confess the apples are over my head. Well, don't feel bad about it. That's how Newton discovered the law of gravity. Stay where you are, and I'll be right down to dictate my report on the Apple of Eve caper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. Remember the Romeo of yesteryear? Hair parted in the middle, all plastered down. Man, what a difference today. Today, all a guy has to do to impress a gal is use Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Wild Root Cream Oil grooms the hair neatly and naturally, relieves dryness, and removes loose dandruff. If you're still using old-fashioned hair tonics, or none at all, then for her sake, spruce up today with Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. In bottles or the handy new tube, it's again and again the choice of men who put good grooming first. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Oh, oh, Sam. Uh, come right in. Sure. Why are you so nervous? Oh, nothing, nothing, really. I'm just glad to see you, dear. Oh, I'm glad to see That's you. That's all. Come on, out with it. What are you hiding behind your back? Well, it's, it's a surprise, Sam. So you just run along into your office and I'll be right with you. Surprise, huh? Let me think. Uh, Father's Day? No, surely not. Oh, no, Sam, no. It's just as regards our shortage of office supplies. I do hope you'll be able to mince your words. What's all that junk you got stuffed in between the pages of your notebook? Where? Oh, oh well, Sam, you see, improvisation is a child of necessity, so... Uh, to stretch our supplies, I just cut up some old strips of waste paper in case we run out of a genuine. Well, well, very ingenious. Uh, shall we commence? Hmm? Yes. Not too many corrections, Sam. I'm 
afraid this eyebrow pencil might not last. Well, don't bear down on it. Uh, where was I? No place, Sam. Uh, date, uh... I already have that, Sam. Oh, uh, this one goes to... Hey. Yes, Sam? The calendar, where is it? Calendar? Which calendar, Sam? You know perfectly well which calendar. It's been hanging there on the wall for three years. The one from Harold's Club in Reno. Oh, that old calendar. It was out of date anyway, Sam. That calendar was timeless. It was not, Sam. It was vulgar. That's a lie. I met the girl who posed for it. In more modest circumstances, I hope. Put it back. N- not Sam, don't. F, what did you do with that calendar? Well, you mustn't excite yourself, Sam. Let me see that notebook. Uh-huh. Old waste paper, indeed. An art treasure mutilated, and for what? To serve your own base purposes. <laughs> Just because you were too absent-minded to order a few office supplies. But I frequently alluded to our dwindling resources, Sam. But no, you were too proud. Take these and put them in a safe place. You can put it back together with scotch tape on your own time. Oh, we're out of scotch tape, Sam. We've got a first aid kit, haven't we? We used to. Use the adhesive. Date. June 19, 1949. I won't soon forget that. <laughs> Two, Detective Lieutenant Dundee, homicide detail, San Francisco police, from Samuel Spade, license number 137596. Uh, subject, the Apple of Eve caper. Dear Dundee. The start of it was yesterday when Eve Adams first walked into my office. She was angry and she was terribly, terribly hurt. In fact, she had a shiner, a swollen jaw, and somebody had bitten her on the arm. And furthermore, she had the audacity to suggest that there was something shady between I and Mr. Hagen when it is an item of public information that her and Gort Hagen was washed up practically before they started. And I might just add in passing... Uh, just a minute, Miss Adams. You say this girl came to your apartment in a jealous rage and attacked you without provocation. None whatsoever. I never opened my trap to her except to remind her that it would have been a blessing to the human race if her old man had never met her old lady. And if she thought those three layers of pancake on her puss could fool a blind man as to her true age, and seeing as what her mouth was, she should never open it for fear of what might come out. <clears throat> I see. And a girl's name? Down at that flea bag where she works, she's billed as Dream of Love. And is she ever a nightmare? Dream of Love. That's uh, D-R-E-A-M-A? It says there. But I do not intend to take this episode lying down on my chin, Mr. Spade. Why, if it had not been for the timely arrival of my concertee, that cheap nail would have brained me with my own gin bottle. I see. Landlady broke it up. And you say uh, she threatened to return with a gun and blast you if you continued seeing Mr. Hagen. That is a fact. And she is just cheap enough to try some low trick like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do you want me to do, Miss Adams? I want you should pay a formal call on that dame and tell her that upon the very next occasion of any violence or threats thereof out of her, I'm going to yell cop. In fact, Mr. Spade, I am placing my life and limbs in your hands, and if you are anything of what you're cracked up to be, you will have no difficulty in giving that creepy crow the bums rush straight out of my life. Uh, pardon me, Miss Adams. My secretary seems to be calling me. Out of my way. I know who's in there, and I'm going in. Out of my way. Mrs. Spade, it's her. Keep her off. You should have hired the 4th Marines, dearie. Now, now, ladies. Ladies, oh, please. No, no, uh, no, break no, it up. You know, I'll show you who to get tough with. You don't show me, Shamus, or I'll let you have it. Now, now, ladies, please. Now, let's talk this over calmly and sensibly. Okay, you asked for it. Now, ladies. Oh. Please. Sam, wake up. Oh, Sam, speak to me. Sam. Sam, Sam. 
No, 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 no. Don't hit me again. No, you can have the jewels. Oh, Sam, you poor darling. Hmm? Here, here, drink this. What is it? Tastes awful. Water, Sam. Oh. Where'd they go? Well, they chased each other down the hall. I thought you'd gone out. I did. What did she hit me with? Well, she took a sap out of her purse and let fly before I could prevent it. Yeah. But you were still on your feet when you told me to close the door. Fine thing. Help me up. Yes, Sam. Easy, easy. Oh, when I think of you lying in here unconscious all that time while I went out to lunch. What? If anything had happened to you, I'd never forgive myself. You call this nothing? Oh, you poor dear brave boy. Now, you just sit down and relax. Now, the ambulance should be here any minute. Ambulance? But you know these things cost money. Well, I'm sorry, Sam. I lost my head. When I saw you lying there all of a heap, forget I couldn't Forget it. Forget it. What's that gadget there on the floor? Oh. Oh, it's lipstick. Must have dropped out of her purse when she opened it for the sap. Huh. Apple of Eve. It's a ghost color, Sam. Apple of Eve. Unique garage. Harry speaking. Spade, this is Dream of Love. Keep your distance. Look, uh, you left your lipstick, but don't bother to come after it. I'll mail it to you. What kind is it? Apple of Eve. Sorry, I've never used it. Good, then I won't give you another thought. Oh, but you got to. She's dead. Eve Adams? Yeah. She jumped into a taxi in front of your building. I went straight after her. But I got caught in traffic where they're tearing up Market Street. That could be anywhere between the Embargadero and Twin Peaks. Fine alibi. What comes next? Well, I'm at her apartment now. And she's dead. Sam! Sam! Hold on. Yaffy? There's your ambulance. Shall I send them away? What shall I do well, with them? Well, it's ten bucks now, anyhow. I'll use it for a taxi. Hello, Miss Love. Yeah? Stay there and don't touch a thing. I'll be right over. Dream I hadn't waited, if that was really where she'd called me from. Eve Adams was on the bedroom floor in front of a dressing table. There was broken glass all over the floor. The place reeked of perfume. The front of her negligee was splashed with red. I looked for the wound, but I didn't find any. Then I looked at her hands. All the nails on her left hand and two on the right were the same color as the stain on her clothing. Evidently, she'd been seated at the dressing table putting on nail polish when the murderer entered the room. The back of her head had been creased by the well-known blunt instrument, such as a heavy sap. I felt the bumps on my head and looked at the overturned nail polish bottle on the dressing table. It was called Apple of Eve. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. Now, here's important news on good grooming. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you get ahead, socially and on the job, listen... Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? The results were amazing. Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. Remember, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil contains lanolin. It grooms the hair naturally, relieves dryness, and removes loose, ugly dandruff. So if you want your hair to be more attractive than ever before... Get the generous new 25-cent size of Wild Root Cream Oil, America's leading hair tonic, on sale at all drug and toilet goods counters. It's also available in larger economy bottles and the handy new tube. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil, too, and mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. Get Wild Root Cream Oil. 
Again and again, the choice of men and women and children, too. And now, back to the Apple of Eve caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. Second time around the murder apartment, I noticed something I hadn't caught the first time. Some smears of Apple of Eve nail polish that didn't show very distinctly against the rust-colored carpeting, but left a clear trail across the kitchen linoleum. When I opened the back door, I smelled burning cloth. There was an incinerator just outside, and from it I fished a man's shirt, partially burned. The initials in the pocket were still intact, so were the red stains under them. The initials were G.H., the stains were, you guessed it, Lieutenant Deer, Apple of Eve. Yeah? I'm looking for Miss Dreamer Love. She home? No, she isn't. Thanks. I'll come in and wait. Hey, wait a minute. You... Okay, you're in. What do you want with her? She's in a little trouble. You a cop? When do you expect her back? I don't know. What's this trouble? She threatened to kill a woman, and now she's dead. Who? A girl named Eve Adams. Why would she want to kill Evie? The way I got it, they were locking horns over a guy named Gorse Hagen. You know him? Yeah, and I wish I didn't. Who is he? He used to run a gambling ship down at Malibu till the law turned it into a bait barge. Now he calls himself a yachtsman. But if you're trying to connect him up with my sister, it's a bad connection. She hasn't seen him in years. His idea or hers? Hers? And mine. Then what was the beef? And who are you? I'm her brother. Eddie's my name. And why would there be any beef between those two? Evie was my sister's best friend. And she was engaged to me. Then this news must be quite a shock to you. You're taking it like a little soldier. She was asking for it. I warned her. I begged her to leave town with me. But no, she couldn't sneak off like that without letting Gorse know the score. I told her he'd kill her before he'd let her go. Mm-hmm. You live here, Eddie? Yeah, what of it? Where do you keep your shoes? In a closet, Kidder. Where do you keep yours? Under the bed? Which closet? In here? Hey, wait a minute, you... Get your hands off of me. Let me see your warrant. Then better be good or you're going out of here on your head. Take your hands off me, Eddie. Let's see that warrant. All right, I got a warrant, Eddie. Here. I didn't find what I was looking for, a pair of crepe-soled shoes with traces of Apple of Eve nail polish on them, but in one of his coat pockets, I found a sales slip from a department store cosmetics counter. There were several items, but the one that interested me said, one lipstick nail polish set, Apple of Eve. About then, I smelled brandy, and a voice behind me said, What happened to the kid? Huh? Oh, uh, he asked for my warrant. <laughs> well, when you come to see me, I'll know better. <laughs> your name is Gorse Hagen. I'm headed for your place right now. What are you looking for? A pair of shoes with crepe soles. What do you want with my deck shoes? I thought maybe they'd match up with this piece of a shirt with your initials on it. Give me that. That's a fact. Where'd you get that? In the incinerator at Eve Adams' place. Well, that don't prove anything. Lots of people got the same initials. Have you talked to, uh, oh, uh, George Howard? He's alibied. He's out of town. That proves it's a frame. I don't know any George Howard. I thought so. Okay, let's cut out the monkey business. Give it to me. It's evidence. Give it to me! All right, I'll give it to you. <laughs> I did, but he gave it right back to me. I was only losing on points until I tripped over poor old Eddie and lost my balance. That's when he gave me the coup de grace. 
I wasn't quite unconscious, but somehow I just didn't feel like getting up. And when the apartment door opened, I opened my good eye just wide enough to see Dream of Love walk in. Gorse, what are you doing here? I come to help you, Dreamer. I don't need any help from you, Gorse. I told you that three years ago. Why? Did you kill her? I don't know what you're talking about. You killed Eve Adams. Why? You're wrong, Gorse. I haven't seen Evie in ages. Why did you kill her? I... All right, I did it. Yeah? Why? I was jealous. Seeing the two of you together after all we'd been to each other. <laughs> Go on, laugh at me. I committed murder out of love for you. It's very funny, isn't it? <laughs> I'm very fond of you, Dreamer. My poor little Dreamer love. I'd give you anything, honey. The shirt from my back. Here. Here's a piece of it on the counter. What? Where do you... I see you're impressed. Me too. Come on, we'll go someplace where we can be alone and talk things over. Oh, no, Gorse, please. I can explain you everything. You can explain in the car on the way down to the boat. Come on. You're hurting me. Oh! Oh! No! Come on, lock that door. Stupid me. I staggered to my feet and stumbled over to the door. I reached it just as Hagen's car pulled away from the curb. By the time I found a taxi, they were at least halfway to wherever they were going. I didn't know whether the boat he had mentioned was tied up at the Embarcadero, anchored in the marina, moored at Sausalito, or becalmed in Oakland. But there was a seafaring man in our town who knew about such things. My port of call was the Seahorse Bar and Grill just off ahead of Pier 16, or is it the foot? Captain Pasoli? He is silent, son, as in Prasad. My mistake. Salty by name and salty by nature. <laughs> Only one salty thing I can't abide. Saltwater taffy and my teeth, you know. <laughs> Here, have a lifesaver. Well, uh, thank you, sir. You're very generous. No, it ain't money, matey, but it's straight from the mint. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> <That> joke wasn't. <laughs> hey, what's up, sonny? You in the hole again? <laughs> you catch my drift? Yeah, uh, what do you know about a yachtsman named Gorse Hagen? Oh, nicely put, matey. If there's anything lower than a yachtsman, he's it. Mm-hmm. Where does he keep his boat? Well, now, she's still afloat. She'd be dragging her hook summers off Sausalito. Now, she's a converted PT, you know, because of the Sea Queen. Mm-hmm. She had her bottom planks ripped out in the Battle of the Coral Sea, and they patched her up with plywood. Well, she's got two diesels she has, and twin screws, two-to-one reduction gear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the uh, quickest way of getting out to it? Well, now, there's not much craft for child to hear about this time of night, you know. There's that Novak fella, but just at present, he's sleeping one hour. Figures. Might not be worth your while anyways. Why not? Well, Hagen stopped by here 20 minutes ago looking for his engineer. Said he was casting off on-tide engineer or no engineer. Mm, what about your boat? My boat? Well, now, matey, on a plotted course, she'll stand up to any double-ender Monterey Dory in a class. Yeah. Without a head sea, that is. Then on the other hand, you put her in a bottom race. And buck and a quarter swell. Yeah, yeah. How much? Way? How much? Um, five dollars an hour. And that's with you, man, and the bilge pumps. Okay, let's go. This, um, here Hagen fella now. You on to the trim of his sails? Sails? On a PT boat? Oh, not the boat, sonny. The man. Cut of his jib. No, I didn't notice that, but he was wearing crepe-soled shoes. Mm. I'll tell you about this Hagen, matey. Fella once tried to board him. Mm. A customs officer, no less. What's up? Picked him up four days later in a gill net with a fish gaff stove clean through his neck. <laughs> Here, have another lifesaver. You may need it. Well, 
After he'd lashed me to my station at the bilge pump, Captain Fasaldi got his double ender Monterey Dory on a plotted course to Sausalito, he hoped, and we plunged recklessly into the fog. As nearly as I could catch his drift, there was a 50-50 chance that A, Hagen had found his engineer and would be halfway to the Farallone Islands before we could make it past Alcatraz if we stayed afloat that long, or B, that he hadn't found his engineer and might be having trouble starting up those two diesels with the twin screws and the two-to-one reduction gears, whatever they are. Major. Which one? Oh, about five points to port. The gray one with the high freeboard. Uh-huh. You get up on the foredeck, Major. Her ladder's round on the landed side. Uh-huh. Now swing round and put you on it. Hey! Anybody home? Uh, he's likely below nursing them diesels. You got to rear back and holler, Major, like this. Ahoy, the sea queen! I like that. Yeah, I know the rhythm. Talk to you, Hagen. <laughs> Captain Sawley. Up down, you little clumsy lover. Hit the scuppers. Where'd he get you? Don't rightly know. Hurts a midship. Huh? Here. How do you run this thing? I got to get you to shore. That's throttle. Uh, uh, there's your forward gear. Uh-huh. Don't, don't pull her back all the way. She, she'll die. The vacuum tank. You lie still. What are you looking for? Jumper pocket. Lifesaver. In case you need it. I don't know more. <laughs> Best winds on your after quarter, matey, remember okay, that? Okay, take it easy, Captain. Keep her balanced. Don't let your jib ruffle. C- keep her on course, matey. Keep... <laughs> hey, Captain. Captain Sawley. Sour ragged. I crawled over the rail and tried to make out Hagen's silhouette on the other boat. I could just barely make out the shape of the hull against the faint glow of light from the Sausalito shore. We drifted a few yards astern of Hagen's boat, but not out of rifle range. I wondered why, if he could see us well enough to drop Captain Sully, he'd let it go at that. And I got it. He was listening. Somebody was pulling out from shore in a rowboat. I didn't waste any more time listening. I dug into Captain Saldy's jumper pocket, fished out a waterproof pouch. I took a seaman's papers out of it. He didn't need them anymore. Wrapped it around my gun. Then I took off some clothes and eased myself over the side. I didn't swim for speed, but for distance. Stopping now and then to make sure the man in the boat was still covering for me. I felt my way around the hull till I found the anchor rope. Just as I grabbed it, I heard him rest his oars. Hagen, who's that? Eddie Love. What do you want? I've come after my sister. Go on home, Eddie. She's sailing with me. That's the way she wants it. You're lying. Wait a second. Come on out there, Dreamer. What's happened? Your brother's down there in the boat. Talk to him. Well, what am I going to... Talk to him. All right. Eddie. What's he done to you, sis? I'm all right, Eddie. Everything's all right. Gorse and I have decided... Go on home, Eddie. He's lying to you. 
He knows you framed him. If you sail out with him, you won't come back. No, Eddie. I'm coming aboard. Eddie, no. Gosh, please. No, Eddie. Eddie. Drop it, Hagen. No. Drop the rifle. I'll drop you, you lousy, shameless. Stop you. Sam, did he hurt you? No, I've been kicked in the stomach before. It takes a woman to kick you in the teeth. I'm sorry. I don't care what you did. What burns me up, you didn't do it right. I hate a bungler, especially a female bungler. I'm a bungler. You're the one. It would have worked if you hadn't gone poking in the incinerator. I should have called the police. They'd have known what to do with evidence like that. They've been wanting to get something on Gorse ever since repeal. Listen, Angel, any flatfoot could have seen through that setup. Eve Adams was sitting in front of a mirror when she was maced. She saw the murderer enter the room. She got it in the back of the head. That means she trusted whoever walked up behind her. That also means the evidence of a struggle was fake. But the nail polish on Gorse's shirt... You put that nail polish on her fingers after she was dead, laid that trail to the incinerator with a pair of Gorse's shoes where any flatfoot was supposed to think he'd try to destroy the incriminating shirt. But the dumbest thing you did was lying to me about that matching lipstick you dropped in my office. That made you look guiltier than anybody, because anybody could have planted that fake evidence. I didn't kill her. I'm not a murderer. Your brother might have got off easy. Crime of passion. Oh, please, please don't say that. I can't bear the thought that after everything I did, it's all come to nothing. Here, 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 here. Have a lifesaver. You may need it. <laughs> Period, and a report. Oh, Sam. Poor Captain Fasolti. P is silent, Everson Fasam. Go type that up. All right, Sam. Well, last one on the package. And now, listen to this. If you want the well-groomed look that helps you, listen. Recently, thousands of people from coast to coast who bought Wild Root Cream Oil for the first time were asked, how does Wild Root Cream Oil compare with the hair tonic you previously used? The results were amazing. Better than four out of five who replied said they preferred Wild Root Cream Oil. Remember, non-alcoholic Wild Root Cream Oil contains lanolin. It grooms the hair naturally, relieves dryness, and removes loose, ugly dandruff. So, if you want your hair to be more attractive than ever before, get the generous new 25-cent size of Wild Root Cream Oil, America's leading hair tonic, on sale at all drug and toilet goods counters. It's also available in larger economy bottles and the handy new tube. By the way, smart girls use Wild Root Cream Oil, too, and mothers say it's grand for training children's hair. Get Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men and women and children, too. What stopped you? The last page of my notebook going to our shortage of supplies, Sam. But in a way, I'm glad. Because I didn't have to go through it again. I mean, about poor Captain Basaldi. F, please. Please, now, honest, I'll buy you a new notebook, a nice fat one. Would you like that? Oh, yes, Sam. There's always something so final about final pages of things. When, when I think of all the risks you take... To say nothing of my clients... I think I'll put a new sign on the door. Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Oh, but I haven't, Sam. 
Where there's a will, there's a wisp. There's a what? A wisp, Sam. Smaller mouth. Which reminds me, there's a couple of fingers left. Join me? Uh, just a wisp? Oh, no, Sam. One of us has got to have a clear head. Well, it'll be me. All <laughs> best. Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Duff. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. Howard Duff can now be seen starring with Yvonne DiCarlo in Universal International's Technicolor production of Calamity Jane and Sam Bass. Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dowd. Musical direction by Lud Gluskin, with score composed by Rene and Pierre Garrigan. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men and women and children, too. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Welcome back. Well, this episode is notable for Jack Webb's appearance as the brother. And I'd seen this listed as an appearance for Webb, but some of the versions I listened to were lower quality, and so I didn't actually make a positive identification. But yeah, this definitely was Webb. And this continues something we've seen with other Stars in the golden age of radio, such as Gerald Moore or Frank Lovejoy, who we've heard making guest appearances on other detective programs while they were playing the lead in a major series. And this was really part of the business at the time. Just because you had a lead role in a dramatic radio series didn't mean that you were somehow financially secure and could forego other work. The exception to this is if you were essentially working radio as like an add-on income to uh, what you were earning, say, as a film star. But if you were someone for whom a radio was a big part of the work you did and you had, you know, no major roles in film, then you needed to be working as a guest star on other programs, both to make sure that you brought home a good income and also that you have a good nest egg. This is definitely true of Jack Webb. At this point, Webb's wife was pregnant, and Webb was star of not one, but two 
two different network crime dramas. He was playing Pat Novak in Pat Novak for Hire, and a little more than two weeks before this episode aired, he started work on a little series called Dragnet. And this was during a period when he was concurrently doing both shows. And so in addition to that, he was doing guest star work on other networks. At this point, Webb didn't know if Pat Novak would be brought back after the summer break, or if Dragnet would have any prayer of lasting beyond the summer. For all he knew, at the end of August, he could not have any regular work at all, with a baby still on the way. I think it's safe to say that during this period, you do hear a lot of guest spots that Webb did. And the series, you know, amusingly references Pat Novak for hire. You know, there's that Novak fellow, the captain stated, which is a reference to Pat Novak for hire, which was also set in San Francisco, which is quite a reference to include when the star of Pat Novak is in your guest cast, and his character has literally been knocked out. Well, now we turn to listener comments and feedback, and Joseph emails in regarding the Bumpus Hellcaper. Uh, just listen to the Bumpus Hellcaper. What a corker. Loved it. Considering there was a lot of painful bumping on heads, missiles thrown, and plenty of rumpus, it was aptly named. The whole script was really clever with a great sense of comedic timing and subtle jabs at radio and theater. I wonder if anyone else noticed a reference to the Seamus-Shamus debate. Uh, and he quotes Rosemary, who asks him who he was anyway. And uh, Sam says he's another tenant, uh, uh, lived downstairs. And, oh, now I recall whom you are. You are the Seamus, which lives on the second floor. Er, Shamus. We call it Shamus on the radio. And... You know, Rosemary continues on with Shamus. So there was some confusion back then as well. Is Sam breaking the fourth wall, Adam, to tell us uh, what the that the correct uh, pronunciation is Shamus? Well, I think there's definitely some fourth wall breaking. That's par for the course with Sam Spade. And it certainly provides a answer to the Seamus-Shamus debate. But does it provide the answer? I don't think so. For one thing, the line essentially asserts that the pronunciation of Shamus is correct, but doesn't offer any explanation as to why that is. So, it's an appeal to authority. And I've heard it said on different programs in different ways. Now, could there have been a CBS network rule? Could there have been an a West Coast rule? Could there have been some production rule? Yes. Sure, I don't know for sure what that would be. Like, what is the extent of this uh, decision in terms of its breadth and overall authority? And so, as a definitive answer, it's not satisfactory at all. Joseph continues, Another little thing. Rosemary kisses Sam's poor little head and notices wild root smell. Sam says sarcastically, yes, you know, it gets me ahead socially and on the job. And he concludes with, the real Bombus Hell sure sounds like a hellish place. You could open up your fumarole stand there. 
Well, thanks so much. Appreciate the comment. And I agree that Bumpus Hell does sound a bit daunting, but looking at pictures, it does have like its own sort of beauty. And it's got a really cool boardwalk running through the entire area. And that kind of makes it safer to observe. If I happened to be in the area during the time of year it was opened, I'd probably want to go and see it. But I would definitely stay on the boardwalk remembering what happened to the poor Mr. Bumpus back in the 19th century. Well, now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. And I want to go ahead and thank Andrew. Andrew has been one of our Patreon supporters since April of 2021, currently supporting the program at the Master Detective level of $15 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Andrew. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying the podcast, I encourage you to follow it using your favorite podcast software. And if you are enjoying the podcast on YouTube, be sure to like the uh, video, subscribe to the channel, and mark the notification bell. All those things that help the channel grow and ensure that you never miss an episode we put up on YouTube. We'll be back next Monday with another episode of Sam Spade, but join us back here tomorrow for yours truly, Johnny Dollar, where... Especially if it could help me locate an embezzler named Alvin Summers. I went up to my room to change. When I got there, I found I had company. Close the door. Well, my friend from the bar downstairs. I said close the door. Okay. Why the gun? Turn around. Face the wall. Okay. Hands against the wall. Hey, look, what are you... Shut up. Well, if you're looking for my gun, it's under my left arm. Thanks. Now turn around. So what's this all about? That's just what you're going to tell me. What's your name? Johnny Dollar. I'll bet. Cross my heart. We'll try again. What's your name? I told you, Johnny Dollar. You can think of a better one than that. Wise up, Buster. It sounds so phony, it's got to be legitimate. And speaking of names, what's yours? I'm asking the questions. You're answering. Okay, we'll play it your way. What are you doing down here, Dollar? Look, I'll make a deal with you. You tell me why you want to know, and maybe I'll be... Don't play games with me, Dollar. Next time you get more than the barrel of the gun. (sighs) Hey, look, I don't know what this is all about. Okay, we'll... Cut out the question and answer routine. I know why you're here. Oh? So forget it, Dollar. Drop the whole thing and beat it. Maybe I'll like it around here. Oh! oh. But you won't like it around here anymore, Dollar. You'll learn to hate it. You and that gun... I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.